Social distancing has created a lot of questions about COVID-19. I'm Ari Shapiro. Join us live every weekday for the National Conversation with All Things Considered. We take the questions you've asked about the disease, how to cope with the news, and we bring on experts to give you answers. The National Conversation with All Things Considered from NPR News. It's coming up later on tonight at 9 This is WJFF. Just want to give you this quick update. Not only has our spring pledge drive been going on in the background during this entire crisis, but the end of it is now in sight. Anonymous from the JYCS Class of 79 has challenged us to raise the final $10,000 that we need. So if you have the time, if you have the means to help us, please take a moment, go to WJFFradio.org and make your contribution now. That's WJFFradio.org. Thanks. Good evening and welcome to WJFF's Making Waves. Making Waves is an hour-long radio magazine that airs here on WJFF every Monday evening at this time. On Making Waves, you will usually hear a number of segments that are brought to you by our volunteer team of audio producers. Kevin Graff is executive producer and audio engineer for Making Waves. Theme music for Making Waves is composed and performed by Cindy Rickmond. My name is Barbara. I'll be your host for tonight. We will start... Making Waves tonight with the Kingfisher Project, our weekly radio segment about the heroin, opioid, and addiction epidemic. This evening, we'll talk about National Prescription Drug Take-Back Day, the recent uh, appearance of fentanyl and a number of drugs here in the county, and some other topics in the Kingfisher news. Then we will hear from, then after the Kingfisher Project, we will hear from Meg McGuire with her report from Delaware Currents, the nonprofit online news source for the entire length of the Delaware River. Meg was at a meeting of the Regulated Flow Advisory Committee last night, and she will be briefing us about that discussion. Also tonight, we will hear Rosie Starr's story about the current art show at the Narrowsburg Union. It's called Work in Progress, and it is brought to us by some very unusual artists. We'll fill you in about that later in the show. And we will close the show with a report by, uh, with a report about My Brother's Keeper, a program around the nation and also in the Monticello School District. We thank WJFF volunteer Kevin McDaniel for providing that interview. And now here's the Kingfisher Project, information and awareness about the heroin and opioid epidemic here and around the nation. Welcome to the Kingfisher Project. The Kingfisher Project is an information radio project based here at WJFF. The project was established in 2014 in memory of my daughter, Rebecca Pizal, who was shot and killed due to her heroin addiction. The project is named for the injured bird Rebecca rescued and wrote about while a senior in high school before she became addicted. Her former teacher, Mr. Ogazalik, read the essay at Rebecca's memorial service. Since then, a number of people decided they wanted to draw the attention of the opiate crisis here and here in Jeffersonville and across the country. And that's how the Kingfisher Project started. Thanks very much for that, Julie. And tonight we want to mention, uh, we want to start out by mentioning just coming up very shortly here at the end of April, it's going to be April 27th, in fact, is National Prescription Drug Take-Back Day. Now, uh, we do have a number of police stations around the county where you can take your drugs to, and uh, we're going to use this um, opportunity to tell you that this is something that you can participate in, not just on April 27th. Sometimes there are pharmacies that are participating, um, but if not, uh, then you can take your drugs back to the police stations, Liberty, South Fallsburg, the Fallsburg Police um, Department there in Monticello all have uh, these drug take-back boxes where you can deposit your drugs. And Julie, I know that you have participated in some of these uh, drug take-back days today as a volunteer. Correct. And you, I know you were at a pharmacy, like a local pharmacy, mm -hmm. um, and that's not, you don't always have the pharmacy to take it to. Sometimes you take it to the police station 
Dropbox. But what what did you see when you were in in that situation as a volunteer? Um, I saw a lot of people bringing medications. I work with a lot of senior citizens, and so I I, all, I told them to bring their prescriptions, and um, the majority of them actually came from senior citizens whose husbands or wives had died, and they didn't know what to do with the prescriptions, and so they brought them back and put them in the box. And then um, there were a few other ones, but that was most of them that they brought. So, and and quite, it was quite busy? It was quite busy, yes. In Jeffersonville, it was busy. Yeah, you yeah. did that at the Jeff Pharmacy. Yeah. And I know that people can take this opportunity. It's the 27th of April. Uh, that's, you know, you can do it any, any day, but that's a good day just to keep in mind, kind of like changing your batteries on a, 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 a the daylight savings day. But it's a reminder that you might have drugs in your house that you're not using any longer. And, uh, Julie, maybe you can explain why it's important to get those out of your house. Well, you want to get them out of your house. Um, number one, if especially with summer coming, if you have grandchildren or their friends who come over, um, or even your children, and they, the first thing they do is look in the bathroom for the prescription medications. And maybe if they, if you had had someone who had died, or you're not taking them anymore, and you switch your prescription, you might have bottles of them laying around. And so somebody comes in, and they might take even if they take maybe three or four out of one bottle so you're not missing them. Um, so you don't want them around so they don't get into the wrong hands of people. And then I think another reason is, uh, you know, you may you might be taking a responsibility and thinking you're going to throw them away in the trash mm -hmm. or even flush down the toilet, which is, generally speaking, that is considered to be not a great thing to do these days right. because they get into the water supply. That's right. So there's some pretty dangerous drugs that are that are prescribed. And uh, if you think you're going to, um, if you have it in mind to dispose of them, it is much better to just take them to one of these disposal sites where they, I think they incinerate them generally Yes, speaking. they do. The DEC picks them up and they oh, take so the them. Also the department, yeah. so you see yeah. everybody gets into this. The DEC, mm -hmm. which is the Department of Environmental Conservation, takes them. And that's, you know, that's a direct link to we don't want those actually in the environment and in the water. Uh, but the other reason is you don't want them to get into the wrong hands. Right. And there are any number of crimes that are committed by taking taking these drugs and, and then either selling them, using them, uh, that drugs that don't belong to. And, you know, just it, to me it's a reminder that you can't have uh, especially, you know, opiates and opioids that are in your medicine cabinet unprotected. It ne really needed to have a place where they're locked up or secured in some other way. So that's, so that's coming up. It's the National Drug Prescription Drug Take Back Day. And uh, there are locations all around the nation that you can find. And if you visit the DEA Take Back Day website, that's the Drug Enforcement Agency, National Drug Enforcement Agency, you can find um, the collection sites near us and, and near you if you're outside of, if you're just driving through and listening. Uh, so that's the DEA Take Back Day website that will have this list there right. of places that you can take your drugs to. So, Julie, we wanted to also mention about the fentanyl. You were following that story. Actually, before we did that, I wanted to say that um, uh, maybe a month ago, unfortunately, there was a death in Narrowsburg of a young man who went to school with my son, and he died of a drug overdose. And because of that, he was in Narrowsburg, and I wanted to thank the town of uh, Tustin because they sent out a newsletter in everyone's mailbox about drugs in uh, Tustin. And I'll just give a quick overview of what they sent to everybody, but I thought right. that was just wonderful that they did this. Um, frankly speaking, we in Tustin are not exempt, exempt from the national epidemic of drug addiction and deaths related to the illicit drug use. Let's take charge and keep drugs out of uh, Tustin. Drug abuse happens at any age. What should you know about each age group? And they have different age groups. Um, ages 8 to 18, yes, that is age 8, communicate um, in a calm manner um, and monitor your children's use, media usage. Listen to the lyrics of their favorite songs and are they drug related? Um, set rules and follow rules. Praise your children when rules are followed and let your children help to decide the consequences for breaking the rules and be an example. Drink responsibly. Don't use prescription drugs or over-the-counter drugs. And 
um, know the signs of drug abuse. And then they have the physical signs, unexplained weight change, small pupils, um, nausea, vomiting, shaky hands, lost pupil, large pupils, sign of opioid withdrawal, behavioral signs, changes in attitude, changes in friends, avoiding contact with family, changes in hobbies, their grades drop, and advanced warning signs, missing medications. Um, that's what we were talking about. It, yeah. yeah. Uh, burnt or missing spoons, missing shoelaces or belts, small bags with powder residue, syringes, uh, ballpoint pens, and cut drinking straws. Um, your awareness and participating in uh, combating drug abuse in, in Tustin will make a difference. And so that's some of the things that they put in there. So I just wanted to thank them for doing that. Okay. Well, thank you for, for saying that, Julian. And I'm sorry about the, the death of someone in, in in close uh, contact with your family. And then um, th this was just this last week. The first case of uh, a drug laced with fentanyl in Sullivan County was confirmed. Mike Schiff said law enforcement had been on the lookout for about a year. Um, on Monday evening, a sheriff's deputy was patrolling the parking lot of Walmart in Monticello when he spotted a car facing the wrong way. When the deputy approached the vehicle, the driver became belligerent and tried to run inside the store. The driver was identified and was taken into custody. At the time of his arrest, he had several seven grams of marijuana in his possession, which tested at the sheriff's office to contain fentanyl. The sheriff said uh, Hamilton told detectives that the dealer he had bought the marijuana from warned him that the weed was very potent. This is the stuff that is causing the majority of the overdoses. They are mixing fentanyl with heroin, cocaine, and now marijuana. The results can be deadly. And we have heard of uh, fentanyl being mixed with heroin. heroin, but we've never heard of it being mixed with mar marijuana. So, which so, is yeah. Right, so when we hear about the first case, we think it's the first case of it being in marijuana that you would no right, normally right. smoke. Uh, so that's a that's a scary uh, story right there. But we do we do believe that the the fentanyl was has been in heroin uh, prior to this prior marijuana to incident. Yeah. So we just wanted to be everybody aware about the the marijuana. Okay. So so uh, we didn't we are we able to talk a little bit about cam chrysalis, Julie? Um. That's uh you might remember listeners yeah. like we we talked with the one of the coordinators of Camp Chrysalis a while back but it's coming up and and the, the time to set the time to sign up might be coming up soon. Um Camp Chrysalis is August 23rd, 4th and 5th. Um it is for children from ages 5 to 17 who are grieving the death of a loved one that has occurred within the last 2 years and it can be from anything, whether it was their grandfather, their grandmother, their brother, their sister, it, cancer, brain tumor, an overdose of drugs, it does not matter, whatever, um, when someone died in their family because it is all a tragedy. A free day camp full of healing activities for children and youth experiencing grief. Through play, art, music, discussion, and activities, the camp provides a safe atmosphere of acceptance, understanding, and grief education. Trained hospice social workers, hospice bereavement volunteers, and the YMCA staff will guide children and youth through their grief responses and facilitate effective coping skills. A, a separate adult support session will be offered to on the last day, which is Sunday. And for more information, you can call 232. You can call Sherry Paluski at... Well, the number says 232, but it's actually hospice. I'm not sure of the number, but you can look up Camp Chrysalis. Okay, we can look up Camp Chrysalis as Hospice of Orange and Sullivan County. County. Okay, yes. excellent. Thank you, Julie. You're welcome. And that will do it for Kingfisher News. That's our, that's our segment for tonight. And uh, coming up next here on Making Waves is our uh, check-in with Meg McGuire at Delaware Currents. She's the founder and editor of the on nonprofit online news source for the entire length of the Delaware River. Meg, thank you for joining us tonight. Absolutely. My privilege. So I understand um, you were at a meeting just last night. Well, it wasn't actually last night. It was, it was last week. And oh. <laughs> uh, you, you are familiar with my husband, uh, and he suggests that I should call this little segment uh, Game of Flows. <laughs> <laughs> because, 
<laughs> because uh, what I wanted to talk about is something that always sounds uh, terribly uninteresting. You, having listened to me rattle on about the river, are familiar with some of these strange organizations and subcommittees that have a lot of influence on the river. And the one that I went to last week is the Regulated Flow Advisory Committee. And the reason why that's important is because, especially since New York captured some of the headwaters of the river, how though that capturing affects the upper river especially and its, um, and its ecology as well as the quantity of water released and when is an incredibly big deal. Um, almost every year uh, there's been this weird song and dance about whether or not a new uh, regulated flow um, agreement would be met or would be agreed upon, and a year and a half ago it, it wasn't, and so there was great consternation about what was going to happen. But what they have now is a 10-year plan to explore all of the issues that people have with the upper river. Um, it's to explore some of the broad ecology up there, which is not just the trout, but all the fish and all of the aquatic life that's up there. Um, it's also to some degree, but a little less, the flooding that can happen in the upper river because there's a whole separate committee that re that that is the the flood advisory committee. Um, but I think that this certainly has some impact on it because um, how the New York City reservoirs are sort of managed obviously has a great impact on the quantity of water. Um, and some of the things they want to avoid are these, you know, the stop and start things that the, they call it being dewatered. The river is sort of reduced to a trickle, and then two days later there's like a flood. So they're really trying to explore that. But one of the things that was interesting to me about being at this RFAC meeting was, so we had some conversation about what's happening in the upper river. But then we also have conversation with what's happening in the lower river, the Pennsylvania Water Department, um, over the course of a year or two, are giving several different presentations about their water supply planning. And I think you also might remember that we've talked in the past about how when the Supreme Court gave permission for New York to take those headwaters, they also stipulated that a certain amount of water had to come into the Delaware to push the salt front down. And one of the things that's now happening is, though the salt front is being kept down because of the flow of fresh water, we are using so much salt on our roads that the supposedly fresh waters of the Delaware that enter the bay to become part of the tidal waters are now having a certain amount of salinity in them. So it's like um, I often think of the, the river as one of those giant like water balloons. You know, you press on one side and another side expands, and then you try and press on that side and another side expands. It's the fascination of the river for me is that it is an interconnected system, but we all have different demands on it and a different understanding about it. But it's really one entire and complete system. And that and that's really why there's kind of like a kind of a struggle with with yes. these flows. <clears throat> yeah. Hence yeah, hence the game of of flows. Game of flows. <laughs> <laughs> But and it's I I imagine was it was the discussion heated that you were witnessing? No, um, it, it does. Uh, it certainly can get uh, has been heated. Um, um, the you know in this multisyllabic universe that we live in, when we sort of explore these things, there is another committee sort of under the regulated flow advisory committee, which is the subcommittee on ecological flows which is very much um, the committee that's working on the sense that the ecology of the upper river needs care and feeding. Well, it's sort of interesting, too, because there's a way in which I'm not making bad judgments about people, but there's a certain people want the river to act in a consistent fashion. But that's not really natural. I mean, right. it's natural for a river to go high and then low and, you know, and we humans, we want to have, you know, we want the river to behave itself, <laughs> and it doesn't. <laughs> so the Subcommittee on Ecological Flows is one of those um, committees that um, I think especially the fisher folk are interested in um, because trout as a cold water species thrives in cold water. Uh, when the river is low, the river is not just low so they don't have available water, but as it's low, it gets warm, and then it's the trout don't like that either. Yes. So that can have, and, and to be honest, that's a, uh, that has a huge impact for 
Sullivan and Delaware counties because that's um, tourism. And yeah, so it's not just fish. a big part of the tourism economy in that part of the world. So, you know, all these things have a legitimate concern and are have to be respected, but how they are balanced off each other is is quite a process. Well, I guess balance is a good word. Now, and Meg, I understand that you're going to be writing about this, I think, and then publishing yes, it in yes. Delaware um, Currents. That's yes. going to be coming up shortly, I imagine. And, and can sometime later this week, I think. Okay, yeah. great. Can you tell the listeners where they can find that story? <laughs> On DelawareCurrents.org. Thank you so much, Meg. We will look forward always to speaking with you, and thank you for uh, being on the air with us tonight. Meg McGuire, founder and publisher of the Delaware Currents. It's the uh, nonprofit online news source for the entire length of the Delaware River. Thank you so much. Thanks, Barbara. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to a pre-recorded edition of Making Waves from April 15th, 2019. And coming up next, we will hear Rosie Starr's story about the current art show at the Narrowsburg Union. It's called Work in Progress, and I'll tell you a little bit about it. Work in Progress is uh, an art show that features Blake and Jessica Barroso's artwork. And it's on display at the Narrowsburg Union uh, at the Woodpecker Gallery until May 12th. The show is uh, curated by Brandy Marola. But let me tell you about Blake. He's one of the artists in the show. You, Blake is a 10-year-old from Beach Lake, Pennsylvania. He has a mild form of sensory processing disorder which affects his fine motor skills holding pencils crayons and scissors are difficult for him so it's a particularly interesting and um i think going to be an inspiring art show and uh, let's hear rosie's stars take on that art show thank you so much rosie for wjff radio catskill this is rosie star at the union in narrowsburg new york where there's a fabulous display of artwork right now. The artwork's on display until uh, mid-May, I believe. But in particular, I'm going to be speaking with Blake and Jessica Barroso. They're at the end of the aisle in the Woodpecker Gallery. I chose to speak with them because I actually purchased one of the pieces of art here. Jessica, uh, Blake's mom, did a piece of artwork that's the peace sign. So we're going to introduce them, and we're going to hear about their artwork. So my name is Jessica Baruso, and this is Blake. Hi. Tell us where you're from. Where do you live? You live locally. Yes, we live in Beach Lake, just down the road here from Narrowsburg in Pennsylvania. Um, We've been in Pennsylvania for about five years, six years now. Before that, Blake was born in Florida. Let's talk about your exhibit. What would you like to say about it? Is this all about Blake, this exhibit? Yes, this is Blake's exhibit. Okay, and Blake is, who is he? Blake is my son. He's 10 years old. He has a mild form of sensory processing disorder, which means his hand eye is off. And to give him more exercise for more frequently use, we did uh, art therapy over the summer last year. And we would see a couple of different galleries. We walked around Narrowsburg, saw a couple of those places. We went down to the one in White Mills. We really liked that one. We just visited that one again today. But um, then we just went from there. We started doing different pieces that caught our eye. We would use from example, either from the Internet or just seeing something somewhere. And that's where we would find ideas. But most of the topics were Blake's idea. My name is Blake, and I'm 10 years old. What would you like to say about yourself not only as an artist, as a, as a person. I think it's awesome to be like an artist of doing everything at Union. Let's talk about your artwork a little bit. Let's talk about the medium that you use right in front of us. These images, they appear to be simple, but they're not. They're intricate with color and form. Let's talk about right where we are. Here we have the word home on the wall. We did a nail art. This one's nail art. You basically make a design, you use nails, you tack them in, and then you string string between the nails to make the design. 
that was a little harder than we expected for our first one out. This was the first one out, and it was really hard, this one. I found myself not happy with this one as we were going and kind of saying some very choice words. But we got it. It's done. They're pretty. They really, we were proud of the way they came out. And these here? This one is, we called this one triangles, or when, in the beginning he called them Doritos. We had made the one next to it, which is actually recycled water bottles. And so we took the bottoms, colored them with Sharpies, hit them with some heat, and that's how you got the flowers next to them. The triangles are the paper towels that caught the paint as the bottles were drying. So we saw them and we're like, that looks like it'd make a really cool something. So we, we put them in a nice little shapes and triangles. We also have squares or circles at home. And they really came out cute. I really liked them. Blake, now tell me number 41 and 42. Why did you call them Doritos? Well, I call them Doritos because there's orange colored triangles and they look and they started to look like Doritos. Did you try and taste them? Did they crunch? No, I didn't try to taste them. <laughs> That's smart of you. Okay, coming down here to, there's two red dots, 37 and 38. They're hand symbols. The one on top is at the peace sign. So let's talk about your inspiration on this. The news lately is so wanting everybody, girls, to be behind girls. And, you know, speaking up for ourselves. And I just, I sat one day and I just, I did that one. I actually drew it the night before the opening. What is the medium that you use for those? Mine is pencil. Pencil and colored pencils. Blake's is also pencil. Well, the, well, the pencils I use are fancy lead pencils. I happen to love pencils because you can make a mistake and there's an eraser. But why do you love pencils? Well, when you make a mistake, you can erase the mistakes and then redo them. Okay, let's keep going down here. We have some more pencil work. Let's talk about 35 and 36. What's the subject matter here? I think it's abandoned house is what you called this one. Yeah, he, he started it and he was well into it before I sat down and really did mine. But they, they came out pretty close, I think. Blake, what inspires you to do your artwork? Do you have these images in your head and then you get paper in front of you and... That's how you sit down. Tell me about your thoughts. Well, yes, the images come in my head that I draw. That's what it inspires me to do art. Okay, well, you're very skillful, I must say. This all came about literally within the last year. Before then, he never picked up a crayon. He wouldn't touch a coloring book, wouldn't touch paper, nothing. You're very talented. You're very inspiring. Let's keep going on down here. I love owls, and it looks like 34 and 33 with red dots are owls. Would you like to talk about this one? So the owls, I thought they were a good idea to do. And I thought, like, why not just do it? And we both thought, like, white for the owl and blue for the background. And the moon was, the moons are pretty cool. Um, so the top one has a glow-in-the-dark moon, glow-in-the-dark glow stars, and then mine doesn't have either of those. There is twigs on the trees, which would make the owl better to look. They're very vibrant, uh, the colors of the background, and like you said, the illumination of the moon. And we know that owls are out at night. Do you ever get to hear them calling? Well, no, we don't hear owls mostly outside. And I don't know if there's any owls outside. They're very beautiful to look at. Have you ever seen a live owl? Claws and paws, I've seen one. Claws and paws? Oh, claws It's and the paws. little zooey park thing in, in Mount Cobb. He went there on a school trip. What do we have here? Now we have roads. Tell us about these. Are these local roads from in the area? I drew this in my sketchbook. And I thought it was a good idea to do that. And it was smart of you to post the speed limit sign. <laughs> That's very important. Okay, now it looks like these next ones are abstract. Let's talk about these. These ones are called cups and bowls. And the reason why they're cups and bowls is because that's what we used to make the lines. They were the bottoms of cups or bowls. And we just used that to be our little pattern. And then we painted them in. The top one is gray and shades of gray and white, and the bottom one is a background of black with primary colors, red, 
blue, and then we have some lovely springtime green. Do you know what color green that is? I think a lime green. And speaking of lime green, there's something here that says awesome, and this one is awesome. Let's talk about this one, the shades of green. Well, the green one, the shades of green, awesome is awesome and brave are supposed to be like camouflage words, and you're not mostly able to be to see them. And, but some of them you can see, some of the words you can see. The, um, the words came about is a thing in the school district where they all get shirts at the beginning of the year. They're told to put their favorite word on their shirt. And what you're supposed to do, it says right on the shirt, it says, ask me about my word. It gets kids speaking to other kids in school. Last year, his was brave. It was the first time he'd come across it. This year, he got to pick his word. It was awesome. So we decided to use his words. And here's some more words. Let's talk about this, 24, 5, and 6. There's lots of words on here. Tell me about these. Me and my mom thought about this one. This one looked pretty nice to do. The top one says engine, and you creatively displayed the word engine at the top. Actually, that is our surprise in our little setup here. Daddy joined us for that one. Daddy did engine. He wrote engine all over that one. And the reason why we came up with the word one is to showcase Blake's handwriting. You can see how stark different it is, how it's a little laid back, we'll say, compared to everybody else's. We just did that one maybe three weeks ago, three, four weeks ago. The bottom one, 24, that's your handwriting. And what I love about this, I call these the colors of the earth and sky. It's blue and the brown and those are the colors that you chose for this and it's very dramatic it's very soft and beautiful to see the words create against a blue background what do you have to say about this i think the create is awesome well i like that one a lot too so i think it was a good idea to make that one and above it is imagine talk about that one imagine well, that one, imagine is my mom's. She thought, like, imagine would be a nice word to use. And the colors are gray, orange, and black. And, um, probably like a peach color. Mm -hmm. That could be a nice color to use for a background. And, um, there, John Lennon wrote a song called Imagine. So it's it's very nice to see that word in the form of artwork here. Now, at the very end of this part of the hallway are three delightful trucks. These are just delightful. And lucky for you, there's two red dots. There's one left, number 23. So talk about these trucks. These trucks are one of our inspirations. We did a trip around Narrowsburg, and in the one antique store right here near the Union is the truck. We took a photo of the truck, and we brought it home. And we started to sit down and do it, and Daddy says, again, can I join you? So the top one, 23, is Daddy's, and then the middle one is mine, and the middle and the bottom one is Blake's. So I thought it was neat that Daddy really, he's, this is not his cup of tea at all, was really wanting to come and join us. You could tell that he really started to like what we were doing because the truck was one of the first ones. And the word ones is actually one of the very last ones. So it was neat that Daddy wanted to jump in more than once to join us. What is Daddy's name? Daddy's name is Lewis. It's a family of trucks, and you did it as a family, a trio. It's delightful. Each one is very distinctive in its shape and color, and it really goes to your heart knowing that you did it as a family, the three of you together, and it's a little family of trucks. Okay, let's turn around and see the word eraser on the other side of the wall. Let's talk about these paintings here, the colorful ones. Well, the colorful ones were like supposed to be like, like different colors and lines. So, and I'm started with black, blue, and lighter blue, and then lime green, and yellow, and then did the same thing down. I started with blue, yellow, brown, and green, and I thought those were good colors to use. <laughs> yes, they are. And how about this word eraser? What does that mean for you? Eraser was one of those days we were really struggling for something to do and we were kind of looking around the room and um, my eraser was sitting on the table and he goes, I want to do the eraser, mama. So he did the eraser and like we've said in the past, 
he picked the subject, so I did what he wanted to do. So there's an eraser there. <laughs> so that's they're supposed to be real-life erasers. I do recognize this. In grammar school, that was the eraser. It probably took a few years to get it down to just a little bit of stubble, but that's the exact shape. You got the pink color, the shape of it, almost a rounded edge trapezoid. Uh, very nice. It brings me back to my school days, and we are in the school at the Union. <laughs> Let's continue down this now. This part of the exhibit is very intriguing. I'm going to let you talk about this, the medium that you used. It's organic and simple and very well displayed, but I'd like you to talk about this. We were looking for some kind of supply to use, something that wouldn't cost us too much, kind of just something to keep us busy, and I noticed our recycling was a little over. So this is actually cardboard, and the reason you can see the corrugated part is because we sat one day and just ripped up the cardboard. And that actually takes quite a while and made a lovely mess. Took a while to clean that up. But we noticed that once we got them apart, that they seemed to be different shades. And some were a little tighter, some were a little looser. So we're like, we can probably use them to show different textures and different colors. And so that's what we did. We made a couple of these paintings with school glue, and he'd pick a design and we'd go. He likes the fish, the, the lion I kind of pushed him into a little bit because I liked the lions. But um, for the most part, he, he did pick the rest of them. And what tool did you use to make the shapes? Scissors. Just scissors. And a little bit of tears because he'd always say, oh, my hand hurts. And I know his hand's not hurting, but it was a part of getting his hands moving to help exercise. Blake, tell me about how much time it took to make these cardboard beautiful sculptural the shapes are very sculptural you did a great job putting them together but tell me how much time it took the time was one day one each day it took a while to take the paper off the cardboard and my hands started to hurt really bad so i was like i needed to take a break and something we took snack breaks drink breaks and stuff like that we like we like that are you saying that you completed a piece of work each day each day you completed a piece of artwork i would say it was more like we would decide on the design we would do the design and then if there were more than one layer we would have more than one day to do it because we'd want to drive between the layers because if not they shift and things got very teary i don't know how to put that things would get upset so um some took a day, some didn't take a day, some took way longer than a day. The stacks one down here in the end, that one took a good week because he only wanted to do a layer at a time. And there's like six layers on it. Well, let's walk down and take a look at this one, the stacks one. That's that one. And it has a red dot on it. My. We were pleasantly surprised when the gentleman bought that he wanted us to sign it. So he signed, Blake signed the back of it for him. And it's number three, lucky number three. Oh, Tell yeah. her about this topic. This is not a topic mommy would have picked, but you picked it. You love cars with your daddies. What is five and six, bud? And there are spark plugs that go in engines. I thought like printing a spark plug would be a good idea. Because the cardboard to make it look like a spark plug, but mine did not look like a spark plug, so we had to paint the spark plugs. We had to paint both of them. Well, when I was younger, cars were a lot simpler, and I used to change my own spark plugs, so to me, they're very recognizable, and I admire you for using it as an image in this, because it's one of the most important parts of the car. If there's the spark plugs not working, the car's not going to start. Okay, and at the very end here, there's two more. They look like landscapes. Talk about these. Well, we thought of these, but I thought of an ocean first. But then my, my ocean started to look like a city, so I had to do a city. Well, sometimes there are cities by the sea, for sure. Um, but you, it's very nice. You use the gate of the uh, cardboard to make the uh, birds and the waves the, the windows in the in the city buildings. It's an extraordinary exhibit. I, I can't say 
enough times that people have got to come and see the entire exhibit here at the Union that's here until mid-May, but come all the way down to the hall, end of the hall for Blake and Jessica. And before we close here, is there anything else you'd like to say about how much you're enjoying this process? Well, how much I'm doing in this process is, like, all the cardboard looks amazing, looks beautiful, and, like, this all looks nice, and I got 12 paintings sold so far, and the, the, my favorite artwork is the city. You have a sense of pride about the work that you've done, and, and it's very nice to hear you say that, because you should be proud. Not everybody can do artwork and put colors together with the dexterity that you did. I hope that you continue to do this kind of thing. Do you have any plans to make more artwork? Yeah. When we're thinking about drawing like a front of a Bugatti, but I couldn't do that. I'm not good at drawing front of cars until I get the, the front bumper and the hood done. And then I do the top. And I'll do the top for the car. That's an Italian sports car, isn't it? A Bugatti? Is that what you just said? Oh my, you've got good taste. Oh, since we're talking about cars right now, um, my dream car is a Ferrari, 458 Italia. <laughs> High aspirations are a good thing. Yeah. That's good. That's a good skill. Mm-hmm. You're a peaceful person and uh, very talented. I like your red sneakers. Thanks. High energy, right? Yeah. Well, when I got new ones for Christmas, they were too tight on me. <laughs> so I feel like I had to buy new ones. Well, you're a growing boy, yep. and your feet grow along with you, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's talent even in your feet. In closing, would Mommy like to say any more words, Jessica? Now I'm surprised he just picks up and does something. I'd, before I'd have to go, okay, it's time to do some art. Now he's going, oh, and he'll just go get his little sketchbook, Santa got him, and he'll start sketching. I can do art on, um, on my computer. That could do well, too. You're computer savvy. Tell me, what program do you use? How do you sit at your computer? What do you use for software? What I use for software is Microsoft Windows 10. And I use Paint 3D sometimes. Look at the 3D paint, and they're awesome to look at. I think you're an extraordinary person. You're very talented and wise, and I love your haircut. Thanks. Best of luck to you, Blake. It was so nice to spend time with you. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. You're welcome. For WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr at the Union in Narrowsburg, New York. You're listening to a pre-recorded edition of Making Waves from April 15th, 2019. And once again, thank you, Rosie Starr. Uh, We just heard about the art show at the Union in Narrowsburg with Blake and Jessica Barroso's artwork, Artwork in Progress. And now we'll close the show with a report about My Brother's Keeper brought to us by Kevin McDaniel. Thank you, Kevin. We're going to be talking to some folks involved with that at the Monticello School District. Hey, this is Kevin McDaniel, and I'm sitting in the control room uh, with uh, Mike Regan, and uh, who is the coordinator of uh, My Brother's Keeper, and uh, three, uh, three or four young men here from the program. And uh, we're going to go around, and uh, could you guys go around and introduce yourself, please? Yeah, my name is Noel Moreno. I am a student design intern from Monticello MBK program, and yeah, I'm going to the students. I'm Deshaun York. I'm a student at Monticello High School, and I'm a part of My Brother's Keeper. And I am Michael Regan. I'm the My Brother's Keeper coordinator for Monticello Central School District. All right. Um, how long have you been doing this, Mike? I've been the coordinator for this program since its birth at Monticello right. for about two years now. Uh-huh. Um, prior to that, I started in Monticello High School as a school social worker. I'm still a school social worker oh, today. I see. So you started out doing something else, and then this program came along. So I, I got online and found out some informa- interesting information for me. So this is not just local to Monticello, right? This is happening all around. Is this in, in a national organization? Correct. This uh-huh. is a national movement that we have all the way from California to New York, cool. down south. 
um, and it's all over New York State, school districts and communities, um, just partnering to achieve the mission. Awesome. And uh, talk about it. Tell us what the mission is. Sure. So My Brother's Keeper was actually founded by Barack Obama in 2014 with the sole focus of improving outcomes for young men of color, um, recognizing that there are significant and persistent achievement gaps between young men of color and their counterparts. And so what we do in My Brother's Keeper is we try to bridge that opportunity gap so that we could bridge the achievement gap. And we do that through providing mentorship and programming after school and um, advocacy, mm -hmm. um, advocating for policy, empowering our young men to have a voice in their communities and just grow to be successful adults. Cool. And, and you say it's been going on in, in Monticello since uh, for the last two years? Correct. Uh -huh. um, actually, New York State was the first to adopt My Brother's Keeper as a statewide initiative. Uh -huh. um, so shortly after that, they issued funding to local school districts who qualified based on the need. Monticello School District was one of those fortunate enough to apply and be uh, offered this opportunity. Um, we launched our program not this January, but the January prior of 2018. And since then, we've had enormous growth. We're mm -hmm. doing things. Now we have a program to reach um, students in grades kindergarten through 12. Mm -hmm. And um, we have a literacy club and various other mentor programs and services, academic tutoring, basketball, and a digital literacy lab, a recording studio um, to give our students a voice and allow them to express their creative side. Um, so yeah, uh, this is now, we're going on our second year, and most recently, the mayor of Monticello, Gary Somers, and our superintendent of schools signed a commitment to accept Barack Obama's challenge to become a My Brother's Keeper community. Hmm. What that is, is a commitment to reach beyond the school district, recognizing that it takes a village to raise a child, and um, empowering all stakeholders in the community, particularly families hmm. and our young men of color to have a say and a stake in what we do. Um, focusing on six milestones, which include uh, coming to school ready to learn, reading on grade level by the third grade, graduating high school ready for college and career, completing a post-secondary education, and um, successfully entering the workforce, and also allowing opportunities for second chances and making sure that all youth live in a safe environment free from violence. Mm -hmm. So those are the six milestones that we focus on in My Brother's Keeper. And um, when we become a community, we will now have more opportunities for growth and sustainability because there's more people in the community getting involved. Mm -hmm. um, that will soon take place. Officially, we will register once we have our local action summit on this Monday coming up on March 25th, we have a, a local action strategic planning meeting with all sorts of various agencies, including workforce development, Planned Parenthood, um, the Monticello Police Department, and various other organizations throughout the community who believe in this work and want to take a step moving in the direction of our goals. Okay. So why, for example, does an area like, say, Monticello, why does it need My Brother's Keeper? So my Monticello qualified for the grant from New York State Education Department based on the need, um, the fact that we have 65% of our students who are economically disadvantaged, meaning they are struggling with finances. Um, we also have a lot of diversity in our school. The majority of our students are students of color. Uh, I believe it's something about 56%. About um, and when you have diversity and you have, um, we're a very big school district, so we have um, students who come from all around, not just Monticello, but what we found in our research when we're developing our needs assessment, Monticello, the community itself, is the, mo is the one who needs the most support. Mm -hmm. um, they have, um, the last I checked, the median household income of $26,000. Mm -hmm. And there are disparities in all. A variety of those outcomes that I listed earlier in our MBK milestones, such as who's coming to school ready to learn, who's reading on grade level by third grade, um, who's successfully entering the workforce. And when we look at the research in our local community, it shows that our young men of color need 
extra support mm -hmm. so that we can have an equitable environment so that everybody can be successful together. Right. Now, you mentioned um, a reading level uh, by the third grade, but you guys work with primarily with, with folks in high school. Is that correct? Historically, since we started for the, the first year, we oh. worked mostly with high school students, but right. now we are expanding our efforts oh. to reach a larger number of students because we recognize that it's more important to reach them when they're younger yes. so that we can offer the supports and services they need when they need it, mm -hmm. which is as early as possible. Right. Right on. Um, and uh, so you've been doing this for a couple of years. It's relatively new and, you know, you're... I'm assuming kind of new to it yourself in that in that context. Have you seen can you is there any difference that you can see that you've made or that the you know and I'm going to get to you guys too because I want to hear your stories but like um, anything you could share that uh, you know absolutely in, in so we're we take a lot of we, we have we put a lot of effort into making sure that what we're doing is effective so what we do that through measuring different indicators such as um, grade point average. Mm -hmm. So far in the first year, we've seen a 25% mm. growth wow. in our overall grade point average of the students participating in My Brother's Keeper. Very cool. We've also seen a 15% improvement in attendance, and we've seen mm. a 58% decrease in suspensions, mm. and most impressively, a 74% decrease in violent wow. incidents. Wow. Wow. Awesome. That's great. Um, and I'm assuming that the, you know, obviously the district is aware of the success, and uh, and you have support, you know, in the district and uh, do. in the community. We outside. have great leadership. Our, our superintendent of schools, uh -huh. Tammy Mangus, is actually the person who wrote the grant for us, and uh, along with many other school leaders, are standing behind us in this movement. Um, we all believe in this work, and we know we have a a, a long way to go because we're just getting started. So mm -hmm. uh, we're working very hard to make sure that we offer the best opportunities we can for our young men right in the on. school district. Right on. So, um, and it is specifically uh, a program for young men, uh, but I noticed when I had heard uh, you guys speak uh, about a month ago, uh, I believe there was a young woman on stage with you. Is so, Zinea, yeah. Uh -huh. So we do offer um, programming for our young ladies, uh -huh. too, because we would never turn anybody sure. away right. based on anything, whether it be race, gender, mm -hmm. ethnicity. Uh, everybody's welcome to participate in what we do. We mm -hmm. just tend to focus on focus our efforts on the young men because that is the intention of the program, and mm -hmm. that's where the most need is. Right on. Cool. Um, so I just wanted to go around and talk with uh, some of you guys. Um, Noah, you want to start off? I'm just uh, curious um, if you can uh, share, like, a little bit about who you are, where you came from in terms of, like, um, you know, a little bit about your background and how you came to be, you know, a part of the, the group here, My Brother's Keeper. Okay. Um, so, um, I was born and raised in Monticello, New York. And uh, actually, I also go by the name of Juice Ortega. I'm a, I'm a musical artist as well. You'll probably hear me on your radio one day. <laughs> but aside from that... Um, I wouldn't be surprised, bro. <laughs> aside from that, um, I... I, I grew up in Sleepy Hollow apartments for 15 years. That's a majority of my life. And um, there there wasn't much motivation around me. Mm -hmm. Especially, not only just being in Sleepy Hollow, but just in Monticello in general. There wasn't much to see. And um, especially as I got older, I realized a lot of the programs that we used to love um, started also shutting down. And there wasn't really much for us to do anymore. And when there's not a lot of um, co community engagement or family engagement and just that environment, that, you know, that positive, good, just that energy with, that environment with good energy. When, you, when that's not existent mm -hmm. in your life, you could, you're, you're bound to go down the wrong path, nine out of ten times. What, you know. what kind of programs were cut that, uh, uh I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure but um i know a lot of a lot of people said like a lot of, a lot of people my age said like mm -hmm. there was a lot of other pro like me mm -hmm. i was in boys and girls club mm -hmm. but there's a lot of other programs that like i guess a lot of youth got together i don't know i was never involved with that right. i was always in sleepy hollow you right. feel me i was either in sleepy hollow right. or at boys and girls club right on. in my middle school years at least i was mm -hmm. in boys and girls club other than that i was really just running around the town mm -hmm. you feel me so um Anyway, my first, my first three, four years of high school, I was not 
Yeah, just because this is my fifth year. I was supposed mm-hmm. to graduate last year. Mm-hmm. So I was not focused or I did not care about my education the way I do today. And I didn't care until I met Mike. And I think you remember me saying that at the, um, at the Human mm-hmm. Rights Commission mm-hmm. event. And um, e- even in middle school, I, I was always slipping and stuff. I was pretty good in elementary school, but once I got to middle school, high school, everything went downhill academically and um, behavior-wise. Uh-huh. So basically what MBK did for me was it provided me a platform to, to help my young brothers, to help my young sisters, to just help my peers in general. And for that platform being provided to me, it made me, I, I, I had no choice but to broaden my perception mm. on things. I had no choice but to study into into certain things because the position I had, I, I had to know certain things. And um, that that really changed my life as a whole because... Your your mind is everything. It's a mind body connection. Where, wherever your mind goes, your body is gonna go. Mm-hmm. So that MBK like right now, my my whole day basically has been MBK. I wouldn't probably even went to school today if it wasn't for MBK because they told me I can't get paid unless I go to school. Mm-hmm. Me, I personally think I could get all my work done at home, but. I gotta go to school because I only got a couple more classes left. That's why I say that. Everybody else, stay in school. You know, but so but go ahead. yeah, yeah. No, I got two questions for you. One, um, what is it that makes you think, or what? Why do you feel that it's important to stay in school? What are you gonna get out of, you know, flying right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, you know, mm-hmm. what is it about? Um, in other words, when you we're not paying attention so much and kind of bouncing around and whatever. Right. And from what I'm hearing, you know, after you hung out, you know, with mm. my brother's keeper, it kind of changed your attitude. And I'm wondering what is it about school that you now feel and why do you feel that it's important to stay in there? Okay. Um, school, well, obviously, that high school diploma is going to be a ticket to mm-hmm. a lot of economic financial success. Mm-hmm. But um, aside from that, really, I I personally think the school could. I can't speak for all schools, mm-hmm. but our school, per se, um, I personally think they could have done a lot better and still could do a lot better in um, engaging with the troubled youth mm-hmm. and not pushing them to the side and denying them of certain opportunities that other kids have. And even just denying them, just because they're known for being a certain way, as soon as they walk inside of a room, mm-hmm. you have to kick them out. Like, that happens to me all the time, you right. know? And now I see some of my same young brothers going through the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. And some of them signed up for that. Some of them do act accordingly. But a lot of them don't. And they're just associated with that. And that, them being associated with that, that's going to program their subconscious mm-hmm. to believe that they're actually like that. Mm-hmm. And then this is continuing cycle in our communities, mm-hmm. not just in Monticello, mm-hmm. but around around the world, really. And uh, MBK made me realize that there's people who actually care that I'm going to succeed. They're, I'm about to graduate high school in, I'd say, about two weeks mm-hmm. with the amount of work I have to do left. And just last year when I met Mike, I never even thought of myself graduating. I never could even see myself going down. Like, when I met Mike, I had nine credits in high school. Previous program has been pre-recorded. I'm Tim Bruno. During the pandemic, we're down to just staff at WJFF Radio Catskill. But you may have noticed one new voice joining me on air every morning. Slow the number of cases coming into the hospital. Flatten the curve, flatten the curve, flatten the curve. As long as New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is giving live COVID-19 updates, we'll bring them to you live. So join me early mornings and the governor late mornings here on WJFF Radio Catskill.